Hebrews 11.31. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. I love spy movies. I love spy novels. I love spy TV shows. I love spies. I wanted to be a spy when I was a kid. I used to play spies. I used to imagine that I had an underground bunker in my backyard that I would go and be at and stay at and send a robot version of me to school so that I could act like I was spying on things that were happening. Now, I wasn't a very good designer of a robot because it meant that I had to pay attention to that robot all the time to make it do the work that needed to happen. So if I wasn't doing the work, the robot wouldn't do the work. So essentially, I was doing the work, but through a robot. Of course, that was all in my imagination. I'm not smart enough to create a robot at all. But the cool thing is that nobody would know that I was present. I mean, I would look like I was present, but nobody would know. And that was very spy I like the fact that you could sneak around. It's fun for me right now because my girls kind of like to spy as well. I will catch them sometimes peeking around corners or looking over things because there's an excitement in that I might get caught or I might not get caught or, oh, what's going to happen? Today we're talking about a person who helped out spies, a very broken person, a person whose brokenness is historic in nature. It is something that is so beyond what you would imagine being something else. You'll notice the title of the sermon here where you can also take notes if you if you want to if there's something that seems to catch your fancy and you feel like you need to write down. It says historically broken. Meet King David's great-grandmother. So we're looking at the life of Rahab. Now, Rahab's story is pretty amazing. And it's pretty broken. Rahab's a prostitute. Now that's not a word that we tend to say from the pulpit. Prostitute. It should be scandalous to us. It should shock us that here's this prostitute and we're talking about her in a sense of honor. I think you're going to find out why. So here's Rahab. And she is living in Jericho. And Joshua sends two guys to go check out Jericho, to go see if they've heard that they are coming, to go see what's going on in that city. And they find Rahab, and Rahab hides them. Rahab, in her heart, in her mind, something's been going on. She's not quite sure what it is, maybe. She's just now grasping what's happening, maybe. But she knows that these two guys are something that are important. Or at least the God that they serve is important. And so she wants to protect them. She wants to save them. And it might not just be for herself that she is thinking, oh, they deserve to be saved. But she could be thinking, these are spies, and if I help them, they will tell the leader, and maybe I'll be safe. If you look at these stories, it's in Joshua 2 and Joshua 6. So listen to what happens. Essentially, these guys are hidden by her, away. 
as the king comes and says, Rahab, we know that men frequent your place, and so tell us, are these two guys here? And they say, and she says, no, they were here. They were here, but they've snuck off. They've gone ahead and left. And so, they've, so, so he runs off, and she says, they, they went that way. And so the king and all his men head out that way. <laughs> and then Rahab goes and gets them and pulls them out and says, look, this is what she says in Joshua 2. I lost it. Where did it go? Here it is. She says to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of this land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to Cheyenne and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there has been no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is the God of heaven above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that I have dealt with you kindly and that you will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save me alive and my father and my brothers and my mother and my sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. See, she began to recognize, even in her darkness, even in the things that, that were in her life, in her fallenness, that the Lord that these guys were following was Lord of heaven and earth. He had everything under control. He possessed it all. He was the one who probably knew her best, even though she maybe wasn't able to say it in that way. Then what happens is they go back in their report and they tell of Rahab, this prostitute, and how she has helped. Then they march around the city. The Israelites march around the city, and on the seventh time they blow trumpets and they shout and the walls come down. And there's only one person who's saved and all her family, and that's Rahab. Rahab's family comes out, and all who are with her in her family come out, and they are saved. And in chapter 6, what we hear is that she lives with them. She moves in and moves into God's chosen people, and she becomes one of them. So she's a prostitute. She's broken. But God, in all his completeness, sees her as the way to save those spies. And in turn, he moves to save her and her family. Are you shocked by the story of a prostitute? We shouldn't be. You know, there's some things that we can grasp out of this story, about who she is. The first one is this. Thank you for turning on the air, Chelsea, by the way. I might have to step down there to feel it. I think the first thing that we can see this is that historically, often we look at our lives, and historically we can see our brokenness, and we can see it in a sexual brokenness. 
Definitely Rahab had a sexual brokenness. But God sees through and in the midst of that sexual brokenness and he moves it beyond. He reclaims it and he redeems it. Now you might sit here and you think with pride, well, I know that I'm not sexually broken. Let me tell you, one of the ways that we can be sexually broken is our pride in our own purity. The fact that we're so much better than everybody else. Everybody else has fallen around us and they've succumbed to this lustful life, but we haven't. And so part of our sexual brokenness is that we take great pride in the fact that we have purity. Some of us have lived in the position of the prostitute. Some of us have given our bodies over, maybe searching approval, maybe searching for pleasure, maybe searching for power. And so in that brokenness that we have, here's hope when we see Rahab. Because in Rahab, we see this person who is historically sexually broken, who is moved beyond that. That God sees her differently, doesn't allow that to define her. And so for those of us who have been in the position of the prostitute, we can say, praise God. Some of us are sexually broken because we somehow have equated our whole identity with our sex, our sexuality or how we express it. That really everything else about us is not all that important, but this one thing has been elevated somehow. We see that in our culture, for sure. That for some reason, that's the most important thing. That's the thing that needs to get recognized. And that's sexually broken, because God in his mercy and in his greatness did not create us in that way, to have one thing dominate. The only thing that really dominates our identity is the way that he sees us. And he sees us as his children, pure and holy through Jesus Christ. He sees us as worthy of pursuit and bringing wholeness together. And so there's hope for us, those of us who are sexually broken. And don't think that you're not, because you are. But the story of Rahab lets us know that historically that doesn't matter. The second thing I think that we get to see is that there is hope for us in the renewal of our particularness. I think this is one of the coolest things about Rahab. And it's one of the neat things that we get to experience and see in our lives. God, we believe, those of us who follow this God that we're talking about today, those of us who believe he is the creator of the world, that he set forth before the foundation of the world everything, that he knows us above all else, God created us particularly. He gave us traits and habits. He gave us personalities and gifts and strengths. Now sometimes, in our pursuit for pleasure or power or assurance or approval, we fall into brokenness in those areas. And we really corrupt them. They become dirty or they become broken when they were meant for something else. So for instance, if you're a prostitute who works on a wall and you need to have men trust you or women trust you who visit you, then you have to be able to keep a secret, right? Right, you have to be trustworthy. Now that seems odd to say that, right? 
But the fact is, Rahab was trustworthy. There were men who came and visited her, maybe women who came and visited her, and she didn't spill the beans on them. She didn't go say, well, now I'm going to hold you accountable and I'm going to go tell your partner, or I'm going to hold you accountable and I'm going to go to the town square and shout out all the names of the people that have been. She's, but that's broken. Trust. Worthiness. What God does in this story is we see he comes in and he says, yes, historically you've been a trustworthy person to protect yourself and to protect those who were sinning with you. But you are a trustworthy person because I made you a trustworthy person. And you will be trustworthy by keeping the secret of the two spies who you are hiding. You see how God redeemed that and brought it back in to bring him glory and to save those two spies? She also had to be hospitable, didn't she? She was welcoming. These two spies, these two foreigners show up, and what does she do? She welcomes them in. Why? Because the Father redeems those things. He says, yes, I created you to be hospitable. I created you, but in this brokenness, in this pursuit of something else other than me, outside of me, you've corrupted it. Let me redeem it. Let me make it whole again. Let me make it what it was always intended to be. And that hospitality springs forth and brings saving life to those two spies and eventually to herself. Think about your own life. What are those areas in your life that you can see that have been corrupted but really are good things? I like people a lot. Not always. <laughs> Let's be honest. But I like people a lot. It gets corrupted when I like people to do the thing I want them to do. Except that God put me in a place where I tell people what direction we're going and where we're moving. So, so what God has done is he's given me in a giftedness an ability to maybe call people in and, and let's move this direction. When it's corrupted, I move them the wrong way and it's only for my own means and only for my own desires and only for my own pleasures or only for my own approval. But God in his goodness and his redemptive pursuit says, historically I made you this way and I want to make it whole again for you and so lead them to me. And trust that I am the leader that I'm the one that moves, that I'm the one in control. You all have those areas, those places that you can look at and say, boy, that really is bad. I, I would challenge you to look and see how God can redeem it and move it. Those things that you think, well, if I'm going to follow after God, then I've got to get rid of this side of me. It, it might actually be something that God will redeem and bring back to you for his good purpose as he did with Rahab. I think the third place that we find hope in this historic brokenness, this historic brokenness that is beyond and is made complete, is that we have hope that in who we are, in our brokenness, we get to gather more people in. Here's the cool thing about Rahab. She doesn't just want her own self saved. She says, my dad and my mom and my brothers and my sisters and everybody else. She doesn't allow her brokenness 
to keep her from thinking and moving towards other people. Oftentimes, our historic brokenness builds up so much shame in our own hearts, and our own lives, that we feel like we cannot engage with others around them and tell them that there is something positive or hopeful in our lives. I mean, they knew me when I was this way, right? They knew me when I was bad. They, they knew me when I wasn't following Jesus. But in Rahab, what we see is this person who maybe had been kicked out of her family. I don't know many dads who would be happy about her choice of profession. But her thought was towards them. Her thought was not just me, but, but everybody that I know. Bring them in, please. Let them be there. You see, our historic brokenness gives us opportunity to reach out to people who are historically broken in the same way. That maybe God has moved in your life and he can take your darkness and he can make it light for other people. So never discount the path that you've been on that God can't work to receive glory in it. Never discount that it's something that should be abolished or put away with when you're telling your story that you should skip over your brokenness. Because in fact, it might be the very thing that God uses to draw others to himself. And how beautiful it is that actually in our weakness, God is made known and strong. That in our brokenness, God is made complete in others because they see what his pursuit is like that he'll pursue even a dirty, rotten scoundrel like me. Growing up, I liked uh, Nathaniel Hawthorne. His books. One of his books is called The Scarlet Letter. You maybe read The Scarlet Letter or saw it. It's about a young woman named Hester Prynne. And Hester Prynne has a baby out of wedlock, and she won't tell the townspeople who was the father of the baby. And so they hold a trial, and they accuse her of adultery, and they charge her with that, and they convict her of that, and they stand her up in the middle square, and they make her wear a scarlet A. And so she wears a scarlet A for her life. Now the story goes on to reveal that it's actually the pastor who had been the father of this child and that he has branded himself and he eventually dies. But she never takes off that scarlet A. It's an accusation. It's something that says, you're bad. You're an outcast. You're outside. In the story of Rahab, it's interesting because... They tell her as they're leaving to go back to Joshua, as they're preparing to come back, they say, take a scarlet thread and put it out your window. Take a scarlet thread and wrap it around so that it's identified that that's where you are at. So we know. So put it outside your window so that we know. You see, the scarlet in this story is not an accusation. It's actually the thing that sets free. The scarlet in this is the thing that actually moves to renewal. It's the thing that takes it and gives it hope. That without that, we don't know that they would have known where she was at and how to go to her. So after the walls come down, the two spies go back in and they find the family. And instead of what was happening to the rest of Jericho, which they were being annihilated, Rahab and her mother and her father 
and her brothers and sisters and all who were in that place go out and they join the Israelite nation. God's chosen people, they are brought in and they receive hope. In the midst of their historic brokenness, they receive hope. And that scarlet reminds us of the blood of Christ that gets poured out on the cross for us. That it's the thing that signifies not accusation, see, not accusation, like the scarlet letter, but freedom and life. She's historically broken. So what becomes of her? What becomes of this woman? Well, she lives with them. And she marries somebody. Some believe that it maybe was one of the spies. She has a child who has a child who has a son named David, King David. She's David's great-grandmother, who then, in turn, 27 generations down the line, becomes Jesus' great-great-great-great-great-grandmother. Do you hear the hope? Do you hear the fact that our brokenness does not separate us from the pursuing love and the pursuing plan that God has? You see, because when the two spies walk into Jericho to hide, who knew Rahab was there, ready to welcome them? God did. He knew who she was completely. And she took, he took her historic brokenness and made it new. The same is true for us today. God takes our historic brokenness and he makes us whole. And we are written into the story as well, just like Rahab. And we are written into the story and the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Because God, through that scarlet blood, adopts us in. So Rahab, the prostitute, by virtue of Jesus, is your great-grandmother as well. You got some pretty scary skeletons in your closet. So do I. Praise be to God that he doesn't see our brokenness historically as something that separates us and accuses us, but he brings us in to be his Let's pray.